Hey, I'm Deb, Mama at Sass and Smalls. You're listening to Sass and Small Talk. We're going to talk about all the things from finding ways to integrate a creative entrepreneurial spirit into family life, to friendships, to the chaotic and wonderful world of kids, the mess, the cleanups, chasing the kids while chasing the dream. Join us here every week as we continue to find perfection in the imperfection of family life while keeping things as sassy as they've always been before the drool, meltdowns, and potty mishaps came into the picture. I'm always looking for a way to fight through the funk of mamahood and find my sass, and I know I'm not alone. If you're done with a hot mess and ready to cook up some hot ness, mama, I got you. Grab your poison, throw on your comfy, and let's talk. Darling, I need my sass back. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Sass and Small Talk. I am so thrilled that you are taking the time to listen to my banter, my one-sided banter. This is not going to be the case for for much longer. We are going to be having wonderful guests come on the show. But for now, as the month of May comes to a close, which coincidentally is AAPI Heritage Month, which stands for Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, I am a member of that community, being Pacific Islander myself, and I wanted to share with all of you an experience or two that I believe will be an inspiration to many people out there and hopefully a life lesson for many of you out there. Now, this is still sass and small talk. And full disclosure, anyone who knows me knows I'm not really one to get all hot and heavy about politics. I do feel, however, being a visible minority, a member of the AAPI community, it's my duty to share my own experience, particularly in the role of advocacy and the protection and the support of citizens within our community. I wanted to share how it affected me on a personal level as a mom, as a woman, and as a woman of color. So let's just dive right in. I want to tell you a little story about a dear friend of mine. Her name is Trisha. She's going to kill me, by the way, because I'm using her real name. I do believe in this situation, it absolutely warrants full disclosure of this beautiful human's name. You'll understand in a few minutes. Okay, so... In the middle of the pandemic last summer, I had taken my daughter out and my son. We went and met up with our friends, Trisha and her two children. And they were super excited to see each other. We went to this wonderful outdoor museum type thing and we brought them to this little secluded playground. And we were excited to have a play date that was just us. But there was another family there. And when we got to the playground, I was with my son. I was focusing on him. He was quite excited to go up the ladder to go down the slide. And not too far in the distance, I had heard a woman yelling, just yelling at a kid. And, you know, one thing I'm learning as a mom is you don't ever want to judge another mom or another parent because you don't know what their story is, right? So I tried not to judge. I just kind of heard it, and all I could think of was, poor kid. I looked to the side and very quickly realized that she was not talking to her own child. She was talking to my child. Let me rephrase that. She wasn't talking to her. She was talking at her. She was yelling at her. And then she said something along the lines of, say sorry right now. Okay, in that tone, looking down at her, fingers pointed, stern face. And my daughter was just terrified of her, okay? 
And I thought, what could have happened? We had just arrived. What could have happened literally the first 10 seconds of arriving at a playground? And if anyone heard my previous podcast episode about overparenting my child and all the regrets I had about reprimanding my child in public, you'll know that this little girl has had her share of being corrected in public. And it's something that's just not in our vocabulary anymore. We do not overcorrect or reprimand in public. But to see someone else do this to my child is a whole other ball game. You know that saying, watch out for mama bear? I actually felt my ears burning and my face getting hot. You could see the steam coming out of my ears. And I'm approaching her, but of course, I'm a little bit distracted because I had my son with me who was ready to enjoy the park himself, right? He didn't have time for these kind of dramatics, but I had to hold him. So I've got this squiggly jiggly guy in my arms, and then I've got this girl who is terrified of a stranger. She looked so embarrassed and ashamed, most likely the direct result of being completely humiliated in public. She was just trying to hold back. Uh, I'm sure it was a wail. It was ready to come out. She was literally shaking. Her eyes were welling up. Her lip was quivering. So I went, I immediately put my arm around her to let her know, hey, mom's got your back. Don't you worry. And I looked at the girl in the eye. She was still berating my child. She didn't even look at me. She just kept going on and on. You do not kick this little boy. You say sorry right now. Now, I know my daughter. She's not a kicker, okay? She's not violent, even on her worst of days, okay? So I do know this about her. What I also know about her is that she's quite impulsive. She's fast and she's big. And she has been tall for her age since she was three. And truth be told, she's developmentally younger for her chronological age and her height. You know, kids are never exactly their age. Right. So she was a little bit fast, impulsive, excited. She was with her friends. She hasn't seen them in in a year. And she went down the slide and didn't realize there was this child who was probably around four years old, who was fine, by the way, who was absolutely fine. He was, he was in bliss land. He was at the park. He was probably wondering what's mom up to now? Like what is happening? He just wanted to play, but she just went on and on yelling at my kid about this. So I stopped her. I said, excuse me, what is it that's happening here? What is it that you need from her? And she says, I want her to say sorry. But she kept looking at my daughter. She wouldn't even look at me. I apparently did not deserve to be acknowledged, right? She just kept talking to my daughter, talking at her. And so I was so shocked and stunned by the whole thing. I just wanted it to be over for her sake, for my daughter's sake. So I quickly turned to her and I said, are you okay? And she says, yeah. And I go, what happened? And I asked her first. Meanwhile, you hear this little voice kind of screaming at like in my periphery. And I'm like, what? excuse me, like I'm talking to my daughter. What is going on? And she's still yelling at my daughter. And so my daughter says to me, like, I don't know. I don't know. Because she was just going down the slide quickly. That's what kids do. You know, that whole saying, let kids be kids. Yeah. Well, we let our kids be kids and then we reprimand them after because they accidentally went down the slide too fast. All right. There's, of course, it's never the child's fault who's at the bottom of the slide who won't get off. (laughs) Right. It's never their fault. Okay. So whatever. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to, I looked at the woman. I looked in the eye. She didn't really look at me. She still was like looking at my kid, expecting something else from her. My daughter was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She said the sorry. I don't know what else she wanted. Did she want backflips? Did she want her to go on her knees and beg for forgiveness? Meanwhile, her son's in another part of the playground. Like the guy didn't care, 
right? He he didn't have a broken bone. He didn't have so much as a, as a scuff on his shoe. From this so-called appalling encounter with this hooligan child of mine, right? I was very perturbed by the whole thing because no one deserves to be yelled at in this manner. Keep in mind, I had actually thought she was talking to her own kid because it was so excessive and so extreme. You know, the way she had spoken, I didn't realize it was to a stranger's kid, which was my kid. So I looked at her and I said, look, she's had it. It's been a really rough few months. She goes, well, it's been rough for all of us. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But could we just chill? Okay. We said we're sorry. She backs off. She leaves. And I had some choice words in my head. I really did. The attitude, the whole aura of this woman was very condescending very, I'm better than you. You don't mean squat. Whatever you have to say means nothing to me. I just want to hear sorry. I want follow through is basically what she wanted. No, she did not say you stupid Asian. She didn't use words that were typically racist, but it was a tone. It was a tone. It was a look. It was a gesture. And the way she looked at me brought me back to these very, very clear memories of when I was a child. And I was obviously the target of this random grade six boy. I was grade three or four at the time. Very small for my age, quite opposite of my daughter, in fact. I was just walking past a bus stop and he was at the bus stop and he grabbed me by my necklace. It was my favorite necklace that my now deceased aunt, who is so special to me, had given to me. It was a roller skate. It's the most special necklace of mine. I remember it was on a green string and he twisted it with his fingers. And then he took his fist and, and, and rammed me against the back of the bus stop. It was completely random. You know, I, at the moment that I was experiencing this, so many things were coming into my head. Like, what did I do wrong? Who is this guy? What can I do? I want my mommy basically. And then I kept thinking, what could he have seen in me that made me his target today? Why not my blonde, blue-eyed friend that's standing beside me and my other friend with the brown, curly hair? What about her? And at that moment in grade three, I knew what it was. I looked different. I looked like I deserved special treatment because I was different. And he just let go of me and laughed with his friends and released me like I was some sort of prisoner. It was a sliver a fragment of history that will forever be etched in my brain because I truly believe at that moment that that was an act of racism. Because to me, if anyone looks down at another person because of whatever reason, whether it's a question of race, age, sexual orientation, gender, size and weight, or if the person on the receiving end has a disability or an invisible disability, whatever the case To me, that is discrimination. That is hate, plain and simple. And that happened when I was a child. And I will always remember that. Why in the world did that come to mind when this happened to my daughter present day? Why did that come to mind? Why? Because it was this attack that was blatant. And the way she spoke to us was just very, you're not worth my time but I'm going to just yell at you because I can. Okay. This podcast episode is not solely about racism. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's not about my personal experience of racism. I could give you a ton of experiences, but I'm not going to do that today. What I am going to focus on 
is what happened after. And this is where it was life-changing, not just for me, but, but hopefully on a grander scale for anyone who's willing to learn from it. So shortly after that moment, when she walked away and I'm burning up and my poor child is just weeping. She was so embarrassed, shaking. Okay. I had to deal with my baby at the same time. It was very overwhelming, but I look up and my friend, Trisha, who also has children of her own was standing there and you could just see her. She was just so uncomfortable with the situation. She was like, no, 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 no. Not okay. When I say my ears were burning, like hers were on fire. Okay. She was seething. She marched up to that woman and she said, no, no, this isn't over. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, Trisha. And Trisha goes, if you have a problem with any of our kids, she took ownership of my kid like she was her own. Okay. Like bless her freaking heart. I love this girl. So she says to her, if you have a problem with any of our kids, you talk to the parent. We are here. Talk to us. All right. Once again, we were in us at that moment. She didn't leave me alone in that moment. We were in us. And the girl was quite obnoxious in general. Let's backtrack for a second. Prior to my friend Trisha saying her piece, she got on her phone and she's like, sorry, I had to deal. Okay. She literally said, sorry, I had to deal in the exact tone. It was like she was auditioning for a role on, uh, you know, that movie Mean Girls. You can kind of get an idea of what kind of person we were dealing with here. So my friend comes up and she says, no, get off the phone, look us in the eye and tell us what the problem is. And she kept she was trying to defend herself. She was saying, look, we've dealt with it. She goes, no, 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 you haven't dealt with it. No, you were yelling at her and that's not okay. Okay. That's exactly the words that Trisha used, maybe even more colorful. And she again reiterated, get off the phone and let's have a discussion adult to adult. It was a beautiful thing. I'd never seen anything like it. You only see it in the movies. The girl backs up And she's still on the phone. She still has her phone to her chest. She was holding it at her chest. She puts her other hand up. She says to her, I'm a good person. Okay. I'm a good person. Now, right there, she realized at that moment how she came across. It was rude. It was elitist. It was just unnecessary for something so little. And she backed up. She goes, look, look, I'm... I get it. Okay. I get it. I'm a good person. Okay. It was just the funniest thing. Just seeing her recoil into the subdued, submissive, timid version of herself. Maybe that was how she anticipated I would respond to her. But in any event, two minutes prior, she was just this energy of confidence. And as soon as my friend called her out on her BS, she recoiled. And that was the moment when I felt heard, when I felt For once, my voice was amplified through this one courageous act and one courageous moment of advocacy, true advocacy. That is my experience of a friend standing up for me and not being a bystander. She took it upon herself. She's Caucasian. She's white. And she stood up for me. I don't think she stood there and thought, I'm seeing racism unfold here. I'm going to speak up. That's not what went through her head. I'm pretty sure that's not exactly what went through her head. What she saw was injustice of some sort, was something that was completely irrational and unfair. And she decided 
because she had the words to say. You know when sometimes you have an encounter with someone and then you say what you have to say and then you walk away and you're like, I wish I said something more. Why didn't I say something more? And then you, then you have these fantasies of having a second encounter where you can, you have a chance to say it again and you know, it never happens. Well, I didn't have to have that second encounter because Trisha said it for me. She was my voice. She was my voice in a moment where my voice was muted. And why was it muted? I don't know. Listen to me. I have a podcast. I love to talk. Why didn't it come out of my mouth at that moment? Well, I'll tell you something. When you're on the receiving end of hate or discrimination or racism or or any sort of disrespectful encounter, you feel very tiny. And the person above you looking down at you, towering over you, similar to what she was doing to me and what she was especially doing to my daughter, that feeling is very diminishing. And I felt small. So what came out of my mouth reflected that. Small. (laughs) I was trying to make peace. So I tried to do it quite, you know, calmly, but I was seething. I was angry and I wanted to mama bear her. Okay. I wanted to mama bear the moment, stand up for my daughter. And I did to some degree. I did. I'm proud of myself for saying something at least, but my focus was on my daughter at the moment. I had to make sure she was okay. But Trisha was my voice. She friend-bared me. She friend-bared me. Have you ever been friend-bared where a mom or a girlfriend of yours comes up and stands up for you? Right in the nick of time, like when someone tries to get under your skin or say something extremely offensive, and then you just... You just don't know what words to say. And then your friend just speaks up for you. It's kind of amazing. Okay. The moral of this story. Okay. It's a short story. I'm kind of lengthening it. Like I said, I like to talk. The moral of the story is this world needs more Trishas. We need to be a Trisha. This is why I have to disclose her name. There's no way I can come up with another name to fully describe the courage, the fight, the bite of this woman, except by her real name. In a world jam-packed with Karens, be Atricia. We all have to be Atricia. And we got to find ourselves and surround ourselves with a bunch of freaking Trishas. Because this world would be a better place. I feel very enlightened by the fact that my children are raised in a generation where people are speaking up. And yes, there's this wonderful platform in the online community where we stand in solidarity and we stand behind our brothers and sisters in the Black community with Black Lives Matter and in the Asian community and the Indigenous community, and we're making space for their voices to be heard. There's dialogue that's finally happening. We're seeing progress. What's even more amazing is that we're educating the next generation. We're empowering them with knowledge, with exposure of what's really happening in this world. Because Them being ignorant to the fact that racism and discrimination exists, we're not doing them any favors. What we are trying to show them, especially my girl, I'm really trying to show her, it's not just about putting up 
a hashtag and some pictures on your social media, but actually acting on it. It's not just the big protests, although those are wonderful, wonderful acts of solidarity where communities gather and make noise. This is what our world needs is to make noise, yes. But it also happens in our backyards. We have to teach our kids to stand up for each other, to make noise for their one friend. We need to teach our kids by modeling as their parents, as their mothers, this advocacy that we have for one another in moments like this, in injustices like this. I felt very, very blessed that my daughter, despite how terrible that feeling was, that moment was for her, I was thrilled that we were in such a safe space because we had Trisha there. And she taught my daughter and she taught me too the value of women supporting women, friends supporting friends, not just sitting back silently. The problem in this society in all these years, in all the decades I've experienced any sort of discrimination or or ill treatment, whatever the case in those moments, what makes a huge difference, what would have made a huge difference is if the people in my periphery stood up for me. And I tried to teach this with my kids as well. I tried to teach them that there's going to be moments where someone's going to treat you bad. There's going to be moments where you're going to see someone else being treated unfairly. It's just as bad to stand by, watch passively, and do nothing about it. Now, not all of us can speak up. Not all of us are a Trisha, okay? I would love to call myself a Trisha. I mean, that would just be like the title of the year. But wait a second. We've got smartphones. We've got the ability and the convenience right at our fingertips to record these acts of hate and injustice and discrimination whenever we see it out in the streets, when we see it in our neighborhood. So use that smartphone. Raise it up. Take a video. Blast it. Show it to the world and put that social media to good use. Speak up, make noise, and that's how you can do your part. So let's circle back to when it happened to me in this simple playground playdate. One act. In, in Trisha's eyes, it was 10 to 30 seconds of her life, a teeny tiny blip in her life that completely changed the trajectory of my life and my daughter's life simply by giving us a glimpse of what it feels like to be heard and knowing we're not alone in this. So I want to wish all my fellow Asian American Pacific Islanders happy AAPI Heritage Month. Let's celebrate who we are. Let's stand up for each other in solidarity and let's allow our brothers and sisters from other vast communities beside us to march with us as we continue this journey to fight racism and hate. Till next time, thank you so much for joining us here at Sass and Small Talk. Darling, I need my sass back. Signing off. See you guys. Bye. Signing off. See you. Bye.